Hey guys, today is a special day. Um, I'm starting my own podcast called The Locker Room, and it's going to be part of the LAFC podcast family. And today's special guest is going to be Aaron Kovar. Many of you will remember him from last year. He's a, a great guy, great player, but he also made the decision to retire this year. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, a lot of things. So I'm going to go give him a call and tune in. All right, Aaron Kovar. Nice to see you, guy. Miss you, dude. How's life? I know. I know. I'm just, I wish we could do this more. You know, every time I call you for a, just a friendly phone conversation, you never pick up. Yeah, this is work. <laughs> well, as, uh, as you know, um, I told you a little bit about the podcast, but for all the listeners, um, there are three main things that I want to accomplish with this podcast. So the three things that we would hope to um, accomplish with this podcast is for the listener to learn something new to be inspired to become a better version of themselves and that they would walk away being entertained. And if we can accomplish one of those three things, then we'll consider this a success. So with Kovar, um, I got to know him pretty well. Uh, he was on an LAFC's team last year, played a big role um, in a lot of games for us, scored some nice goals against uh, Dortmund or goal against Dortmund. Um, but one of the things I always admired about Kovar was uh, his discipline to always try and learn something new. And so I guess where I want to start this off for you, Kovar, is um, if you could just talk about uh, in the carpool um, what you would be doing uh, while Tyler and I were basically on our phones or kind of not paying attention. What is it that you would do on a regular basis to start your morning? Well, I wouldn't say I'm much of a social morning person in general. So it was pretty funny because I just wouldn't talk to Tyler or Walker the entire morning. And so we would just like nod at each other and go and Walker and Tyler might talk a little bit, but, uh, whoever was driving got to choose the music. And so you could choose music, podcast, whatever you want to do. And so, and I think it's safe to say that I always had the worst music. Is that fair? Yeah. But you guys were into your, uh, that serial podcast. That's true. We did. I didn't like that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So actually at the, in preseason, Charlie Lyon, who was the one of the goalies last year, uh, I had played with him in Seattle, so we knew each other. And right in the beginning of preseason, he was reading, uh, I forget what book, but I was kind of having a conversation with him, and he was talking about how, like what he was reading, what he read last year, and kind of this goal for the next year of how many books he wanted to read. And for whatever reason, I just kind of like clung to that and I was like this is a good idea we have so the lifestyle of playing professional soccer you have so much downtime I'm gonna try and read a book a week for the year so ballpark 50 books of the year wow. see how it goes and at first it was kind of hard to establish a habit but then you end up or at least for me I ended up just anytime there was downtime I would have a book with me and then all those kind of dead spaces during my day where otherwise I would just be waiting around or sitting in the back of the car. I would just have my book with me and start reading. And so it was especially useful on flights because we fly a lot for our job. And, uh, yeah, I think I ended up reading like 51 for the year. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and I know he was talking about reading in the downtime guys, and this is, this is not a joke. I would walk into the training room. And he would be on the training table with a book open while getting treatment at our training facility. 
So it really is something where um, he was maximizing his time, always trying to learn something new. Um, and then being in Kobar's carpool, he mentioned that Tyler and I would listen to serial podcasts or just blankly stare at our screens. Tyler would be playing Clash of Clans. Um, Kobar would be listening to some podcasts uh, when it was his turn to drive. And can you talk about some of those podcasts that you listened to? Because I know I tuned into a couple and they were mostly geared towards kind of self-help or self-improvement. Would you say that's uh, kind of the vein of yeah, a little bit. or, or just say, lo- yeah, knowledge? Yeah, I'd say the, the one I got really into was Tim Ferriss, who's an author, has a podcast called Tim Ferriss Show. I recommend anyone check it out. And he basically just brought in from any space super successful people, whether it's actors, athletes, businessmen, entrepreneurs, whatever it might be. And just kind of picks them apart in terms of what it is their I mean their journey and kind of the technical knowledge but then a lot of the same things about how they start their day what their routines are habits just kind of personal ideology and yeah that, I would recommend that and then uh, for a little while I kind of was into this philosophy one but that got a little bit esoteric pretty fast and yeah yeah, so I'd say those were the big ones. And I know, I mean, you guys tuned in for some of them because some of them were cool. Like, like for Jamie sure, Fox was for one sure. of them, and that was awesome. Yeah. But then some yeah. of them you guys were not too. And and one of the ones that you recommended to me that I went home and listened to because I was kind of going in and out was about David Goggins, um, former Navy SEAL, uh, basically began running 100-mile races. He would run – um, like marathons to other marathons just for fun and really challenge himself to uh, push himself into the uncomfortable zones in his life. And I think um, you made the comment to me about how important it was for you to um, do things that aren't necessarily easy or do things that are uncomfortable because it's only going to make you stronger. Um, can you just touch on what David Goggins story meant to you or how it inspired you or how that mindset has um, helped you with your outlook on life. Yeah. I mean, I I would say kind of one of my sort of first principles in life, I guess, is just engaging consistent action towards something you want. Right. So if you have a goal, break that goal and down into the smallest possible piece and then consistently do it. And before you know it, those consistent actions will compound and you'll make progress. Right. And that can be, it's obviously easier said than done. And a lot of the difficulty in that is just doing it when it sucks. Right. And so, I mean, we soccer, soccer is a good learning ground for all these or sports in general, a good learning ground for all these lessons. So, I mean, easy for an easy one for us to, relate to is you get to practice and just those days where you just don't want to be at practice. You're just tired and you're sore and you're hurt and it sucks. And when you feel great and you're excited and slept well, yeah, it's great to, it's easy to do those things. But the question is if you do it when it's not easy. And what I took from that podcast, which I definitely recommend people checking out is that there's always this little voice in your head of when you don't want to study or you don't want to read or you don't want to run or whatever it might be for your own personal goals. There's going to be so many days where it's just, uh, there's this, a million reasons why I shouldn't do this. Maybe I'll take a shortcut. Maybe I won't do it. I'll skip it, leave it for tomorrow. And if you can get into the habit of 
just not letting that be a dialogue anymore. So you just do it and there's no, like, there's no, there is no voice, right. At some point and having that mentality, I think that was kind of what I took from it is if you're committed to doing something, do it consistently and you'll at least get close to that goal. And it's just a a refinement process. And, um, that kind of leads into a, a hobby that not many people probably know about you. And this occurred last year when Kovar said, you know what, I'm going to teach myself how to play the piano. <laughs> and so you got a little keyboard yeah. and you would be diligent and you brought up the word consistency and you would spend an hour a day, correct me if I'm wrong, but an hour a day learning how to play the piano. And even went as far as you completed your training course and then proceeded to email the company saying, how are you going to stop there? I want to keep learning more. <laughs> this is a joke. Uh, something along those lines. But just the consistency of playing the piano. Why Why was that something that you wanted to pick up? What was the mindset behind that? Um, was it just a random passion to play music or was it something more? I don't really know why I kind of made that decision. But for whatever reason, I got this idea in my mind. And I've found that if you just... Like for in that in that case, it was buying a piano and buying a subscription to this like app, learn it, and then you're just committed, and then you're not going to be the idiot who just has a electric keyboard in this room and doesn't know how to use it, right? And so, yeah. So once I committed to it, it was like, okay, let's just see how it goes, whatever. And so it wasn't all just a ploy to serenade Will Ferrell at a <laughs> team event. No, that was a nice perk of it. I didn't see coming, and. No, but honestly, the person, I don't know if you're going to watch this, Tyler, but if you do, thank you, Tyler, for putting up with me because uh, Tyler was my roommate last year. And now if I play, it sounds like music and it's tolerable, but I used to come home first thing after practice. We'd both be tired from training. And the first thing is I'd play in the dining room an hour of piano and it sounded so bad. Poor guy. For the first Poor two guy. months, but Tyler was a trooper and didn't complain. So, what a so, good roomie. Um, Kovar led me to a lot of different podcasts, um, books, and I would always try and pick his brain as someone who is constantly learning. And I asked him about some of his favorite books. And one book in particular that he told me to read was When Breath Becomes Air. And so as a treat to Kovar, I read that book yesterday in preparation for our podcast. And so I'd love for him to just give a premise of that book. Um, we can talk about some of the things that we took away from it and what makes it so powerful. Um, so I guess if you just want to give kind of an overview and then we'll dive into why that book is so powerful. I'm proud of you, Walker. Um, yeah. 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 I would say like, I mean, if anyone, if ever someone asked me what my favorite book is, that's kind of the hands down first answer. I kind of think it's like a prerequisite for humanity sort of book. And, uh, I'd say it's just a pretty powerful book about mortality. And obviously it's this guy who's just unbelievably, I don't want to give away too much, but smart dude who gets faced with his own mortality and after a ton of medical training. So he knows exactly what's happening and it's his sort of stream of consciousness through the whole thing and through the process, dealing with his family, everything. And it's a pretty powerful book. I was actually on the plane uh, with the team and at the end of the book and I've like never really come cl- like cried during a movie or book or anything and I'm like sitting on the plane yeah. with the whole team and I'm just like crying <laughs> reading this book yeah so I do put it down and take it back out it was pretty funny but um 
yeah, I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Just, I mean, yeah. just, just facing your own, the, the idea of living kind of with death in mind is a pretty good motivator to do things that you want to do because we're not here right. long. And just to touch on that a little bit, I'll go a little bit further in the explanation. Or um, So the guy's name is Paul. He's a Stanford grad, and he spends um, – it's like a 10-year residency program as a neurosurgeon. He also starts trying to become a neuroscientist as well. Um, and so he's dealt with so many complicated surgeries, brain surgeries, any kind of medical operation he's basically performed. And, um, and then he finds himself uh, over a quick period of time on the other end, being the patient and um, just wrestling with the idea of mortality, as you talked about. And he learned so much from his time being a doctor about how to communicate with patients about um, the severity of their cases, how to um, best help them along, had to make the decisions of when to pull the plug, all of those things. And then he found himself on the other side. And so he gives a great narrative. It's a um, really well-written piece, um, and it, it, I remember reading through the epilogue, which is written by his wife, and I was sitting on the couch last night just yes. like, oh my gosh, like this is this is so powerful to read about, like just a testament. Uh, it was so honest. It was so brutally honest, and I feel like we never get um, perspectives that are just so real and raw, um, and so it's definitely a great book to check out. Um, I thank you for recommending that to me and I'm all, always looking for more recommendations. And for those listening, please send us, send us your recommendations of books that you want to read. Cause I yeah. guarantee you I'll pass along to Kovar and there's one thing I know about him. He'll viewers, read including yeah. Wife, Sally. Um, yeah. And, uh, along the same uh, vein, Victor Frankel, there's a book called when man search for meaning about a, a psychiatrist who was interned to Auschwitz. And that's uh, another, if you're trying to kind of go down the mortality rabbit hole. Yeah another yeah uh, that was great that's great well i want to change um to one topic that is probably um questioned by a lot of lafc supporters um it's been in a certain topic around these parts especially in preseason of where's where's aaron kovar why is he not on the team he did such a good job for us last year and um so i want to touch on your decision personally to retire and step away from soccer um, and pursue further education as well as what seems to be a minor trend with a couple, I wouldn't even say trend, but a couple of other players um, also made that same decision this past off season. Um, guys who are successful in the league, played many years, um, got a lot of minutes in major league soccer, and they also decided to step away from the game. So I guess the first question um, would just be to, if you could walk me through your frame of thinking as it got towards the end of the season or got closer to that, decision um as to why you felt like that was the right thing for you to do at this point yeah so i mean i i entered the league at, i mean say uh, we were the same year maybe a year before at 19, 19 20 years old and yeah. you're yeah. a kid and you just i mean you love soccer and you don't really know too much else right and so uh we both actually left school early to go to the league and kind of fulfill that childhood dream. And it's been the most like incredible experience. I've learned so much. I'm so thankful for all the relationships, the coaches, the between the Sounders and the LAFC, just like amazing experiences that I'll always carry with me. But as I would say in the last two seasons, 
uh, I kind of had more questions about what do I want in terms of bigger picture for my life. And obviously I really love playing soccer, but I knew there was sort of more. And I also am aware that the way the league is structured, it's not like the NFL or the NBA where you're going to, <laughs> you've got guys. Yeah. You know, like a couple of years of playing and, <laughs> Yeah. It's a, obviously a different financial yeah. beast. But so in this last couple of years, I was kind of talking to guys that I know in the league, guys who have retired, kind of what the transition was like. And I was pretty keenly aware that I want to have a second career that wasn't in soccer. And I just know that being 32, having you played, and that's kind of your only real work experience, it's not the easiest thing to transition and start over. And who knows what kind of obligations you have at that point, whether it's a wife and kids or whatever it might be. And so it's not like it was an easy decision or that transactional of just a financial thing, but it kind of just was got more and more clear to me that I kind of wanted to move on to this next challenge. And obviously not having, having left school early, finishing my undergrad degree was kind of the priority. Yeah. So I'll go back to um, kind of you were saying, you know, over the past couple seasons, you had started to think about what life could be like outside of soccer. Um, and it's this idea that we're more than yep. just athletes. Right. I mean, we hear that phrase and we kind of get put in a bubble of being in the entertainment industry. And our sole purpose is to represent this club and this city and perform and work hard. Um, and that's all people usually see is the outside is is what we do on the field. and there's so much more, um, so many more passions, hobbies, interests that we all carry that no one ever really sees. And so I think it's important for people to know too, that it's not like this was some rash decision of like, ah, oh, like I, I wasn't playing like as much as I wanted to, or I didn't quite love the game. I'm stepping away. It was like, Hey, I've consulted with a lot of people. I've really evaluated this. I know that I have so much to give to this world outside of soccer. I've gotten to give a lot, you know, with soccer, through soccer, but I have a lot more to give and a lot more to learn and a lot of other interests that I want to pursue. And so I think that's something that everyone at the end of the day will respect is, um, you know, as we've mentioned so much about your commitment, your discipline, and you're being true to yourself here saying, yeah, I love soccer and I had a great run, but I also am more than yeah, just a soccer player. Yeah, it's, and it's and by so no means an easy decision. I think that any of anyone who's made it right. to this level has committed the, I mean, majority of your life towards this kind of owning your craft, right? And so it's a it's right. a pretty big sunk cost, and it's not just a easy thing where there's kind of one overarching reason. It's just looking at a big picture of this kind of holistic sense of what I want for my life. And it just seemed to make the, the most sense. So, um, you know, and it wasn't just you, it was, uh, a couple people this past off season. So we had Brandon Vincent who also attended Stanford with you and he was with the Chicago fire. Um, he decided to step away. Andrew Wenger, a former number one pick uh, out of Duke, um, who played a lot of different places and different clubs, very successful career. Uh, Dylan Remick, um, who you, you were with in Seattle, then Houston, um, and he went to Brown and he decided to step away. And I know you said you had some conversations with some players. Did you talk to any of these guys, uh, Christian Dean, as well as another one from Cal, 
Um, would you say it's a, a similar mindset of, yeah, I'm more than just an athlete and I want to pursue my other interests? Or do you think it was maybe they just don't love the game anymore or the demands or I know you can't speak for them, but if you had any conversations that could, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, on, like you said, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I obviously you made a good point of kind of listing the schools that all these players went to and they've made decisions that aren't purely soccer decisions. So, I mean, for myself and Brandon, even now Stanford's a powerhouse in college soccer, but when we had committed, they weren't really, I mean, not a bad team at all, but they were what they are now. And then right. Brown, Christian Dean went to Cal, Duke. I mean, these are really prestigious schools. And besides myself and Christian, all the other guys graduated, I believe. And so I think it's a similar kind of thought process of there's a lot of guys in the league who are smart, ambitious, have other talents, and people just don't know that. But when you're reduced right. to just being a soccer player, it can be hard to see how the decision of stepping away at 25 makes sense for something where a lot of people would give a lot mm -hmm. to be in that place. And so, for example, I mean, Dylan, right. I know I've, I've spoken to the most throughout his decision to step away. And I mean, he got into university of Chicago for his MBA, which is just awesome. And he'll be able to leverage his soccer network and it'll be a big plus for his business career. I'm sure he'll do awesome things, but it's, uh, I think that this, the way the league is right now, that obviously if you're one of the top guys in the league, you can make a really, really good living. And it's not that to marginalize what the average player makes, because it's obviously uh, a good living as well, but it's not, to say that you can go through and be able to take necessarily three years off to go back to school or four years, you have other obligations at 32 or 33. Right. And if you're not going to work in soccer, it's not that easy to start over in a new career. Yeah. And that's, that's the great point there is, um, people could say, Oh, but you were like in your prime, you're 25 and you could always go back and do something after soccer. But I think to your point, in the business world, it seems like it's better to get your foot in the door early so you can begin, you know, gaining that knowledge in whatever industry you're in, um, networking a little bit, because that's that's a lot harder. And, to which do, is like not to say that it can't be done, too. There's plenty of guys who play until they can't play anymore and they sure. then go back and do other things or they've started businesses while they're playing, whatever it might be. There's tons of guys who are able to make both work, but it's just uh, I think it's different for every every athlete and so you have to kind of come to those realizations on your own and it's a it's a big decision because it's been obviously such a part of your identity because most of these people are seen as the guy who plays soccer to their communities at home to their families to friends whoever it might be definitely well i don't want to take any more of your time i i really appreciate you coming on and i guess to close out um I just want to affirm you and the the friend that you've been to me. And one of the reasons I wanted you to be the first guest on this show, um, you've clearly shown our listeners how committed and disciplined you are. Your desire to learn is inspiring. And I think at the end of the day, we had so many good conversations. And whether it, we agreed, disagreed, I think we could say our friendship grew because we both walked away uh, respecting the other person's opinion, <laughs> even if we didn't agree with it sometimes. Um, 
but it helped me grow as a person and challenged me. And so I think that's important here is to, to listen, listen to other people, uh, listen to what they have to say, always respect them. Um, and that's how you're going to make a lot of friends in this world and, and grow relationships. So I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship and for coming yeah, on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. The locker room. Hey guys, uh, thanks for listening to The Locker Room. Uh, as part of the LAFC pod fam uh, and inside LAFC, make sure you subscribe. Please send in your questions, comments, um, ideas for future podcasts. I'd love to hear from you guys, make this as interactive as possible. Uh, thanks for listening.